0: here's what we're gonna do right now. We've got um, a team of about uh, 14 or so people that are in Tijuana, Mexico right now. Our Antioch Discipleship School is taking their end-of-year uh, mission trip, and so they are there right now, and today is their first day of outreach. So literally, in Mexico, people are going to be from our church. People are walking the streets of Mexico, talking about Jesus, praying for people, serving folks. They're going to go to orphanages. They're going to go to schools. They're going to go to the streets. They're going to go all over uh, Tijuana and share Jesus with people, which is amazing. So those of us that aren't there right now, we want to pray for each other. We want to we pray for that team. We want to pray that God would go before them. God would them point their hands and their words that come out of their mouth, and we're believing for miracles to happen. So here's how we'll do this. Um, why don't you just turn to a few people that you're sitting next to, folks that you came with uh, to church. Just a group of about three or four folks, and we're gonna just take turns praying maybe 10 to 15 second, short, simple prayers for God's hand of favor and blessing over our team in Tijuana, Mexico, right now. That God would go before them and bless everything they're doing. All right, so go ahead and turn to a few people next to you right now. Shake hands if you don't know each other yet. Say what's up. Say hi. Introduce yourself. You got this. And if praying is new for you, that's okay. Church is a good place to learn how to pray. So go ahead. Whenever you're ready, just decide who's praying first and start praying for our team in Tijuana, Mexico. Go for it. Start praying right now. Jesus. Father, we thank you so much that you are with our team in Tijuana, Mexico right now. And Father, as uh, their church body, their church family, we come into agreement and we ask you right now, Lord, that you would just fall on them by the power of the Holy Spirit and that, Lord, every time they go out to preach your word, to talk to people about Jesus, to pray for the sick, God, we pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to be present and to be there. Holy Spirit, would you lead them? Would you guide them to the right people to talk to? And we pray that people in Tijuana would see the boldness and the compassion on our team. And they would be drawn to you, Jesus. We ask for souls to be saved. We pray for people to be knit into a life-giving community. We pray for disciples to be made. God, we ask for miracles to happen. That there would be healings that happen that point to you, Jesus, and your resurrection power. And, Lord, we just thank you that you are with them. Would you protect them and cover them from sickness, from any scheme of the devil. And we just thank you. Thank you that you are with them and you are for them. And we bless them today as their church family. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen, amen, amen. amen. All right, one more uh, person we're going to pray for. Uh, where's Kelly? Kelly, come on down over here. So Kelly, Casillas, <laughs> can see us. You can come join me on stage right here. Plenty of space. So Kelly is leaving what day? Thursday. Thursday, and she's going to spend all summer in the Middle East If you want to know exactly where she's going, you can ask her later. Uh, Just don't post it on Instagram. Uh, And we are, so we're not going to see her for a few months, but we want to get around her and send her off today and pray God's blessing and favor over her. She's going to be joining a long-term team over there and serving a bunch of amazing, beautiful people in the Middle East and talking to them about Jesus. So why don't you actually hop on down. And if you know Kelly, why don't you come gather around her, put a hand on her shoulder real quick, and uh, we're going to pray God's blessing over her. So go ahead. As soon as you guys get down here, go ahead and start praying. Everybody else, y'all can just agree for God's favor and blessing over Kelly. Lord, this morning we send out Kelly. We bless her in the name of the Lord. God, we send her out in the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you that she is not alone. She's got her church family surrounding her, but Lord, she is going with your presence all over her life, God. I pray that you would lead her and guide her as she goes. I pray for amazing connections with the long-term team. And Lord, I pray for amazing relationships to be formed with these beautiful people in the Middle East. Lord, we ask for Jesus, you to be known, for you to be known in that land. For you to be glorified. And let we pray that Kelly would have confidence in her spirit. That, Lord, you are going before her, behind her, and all around her. And no weapon formed against her shall prosper. She is walking in the power and the authority of Christ everywhere she goes. So thank you for your provision. Thank you for this open door. And Lord, we pray for such an amazing, fruitful summer for her. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We love you, Kelly. We're excited for you this summer. It's going to be good. All right, guys, why don't you turn to your neighbor and tell them one thing that you are thankful for, and then we're going to get into a message in just a second. Turn to your neighbor, one thing you're thankful for, and then we'll get into a message. Ready? Break. Right, guys. Well, good morning again. Um, I don't think I introduced myself yet, though I've been talking on the microphone a lot. My name is Mitchell, if I haven't met you yet, and we'd love to, I'm the lead pastor here. would love to connect with you after the service at the Connect booth if I haven't gotten to shake your hand yet, so come say what's up. But thanks for being here, guys. Uh, before we jump to the message, we got actually Jeremy's going to be preaching this morning, which is exciting. You guys always love it when he preaches, and I don't. And so here we go. I want to remind you of a couple things. One is this little uh, summer reading plan. Maggie mentioned it, but some of you guys were not quite here yet. So pull this out. Everybody wave it to me right here. The summer Bible reading plan. Awesome, awesome, awesome. You can use it if it gets too hot. You can just kind of fan yourself. (laughs) that reminds me uh several of us went to the send yesterday which is an event in kansas city several of our folks are still up there it's this massive gathering of tens of thousands of believers across our nation that were worshiping and praying and trying to activate a generation to see the great commission fulfilled and see disciples made and it was really powerful and amazing event if you're wondering who was there just look to see who's a little bit sunburned or extra tan it was hot me and my two boys were there, and it was awesome and sweaty and glorious. But it's just so encouraging to see so many thousands of people genuinely worshiping their heart out in the middle of this massive football stadium. Uh, and it literally, it hit me. I've been to a few football games in, the, in my past, but I as I was there, I was like, this is what football stadiums are made for. They are made for worship events. This is, this is what I've been feeling in my spirit for de- for like a decade. And I'll be like, yes, I knew I was right. Because was, that was a perfect environment for glorious worship. And so it was so, so good. I'm excited and, and just thankful for the body of Christ at large. You know, we're not just the only ones in our own little siloed off faith personally but even as a church we are part of a large body of christ all over the earth and there are people that are going after jesus and want to see him return and want to see people come to know him and so it's so stirring and exciting uh, to be there Uh, but anyways you got your bible reading plan um this is uh, i'm going to be preaching a message next week that is going to be really connected to the importance of being rooted and grounded in the word of god But just this starts today, and all I want to do is just highly encourage you to jump in with us and read through the Gospels. Really, the main thing I want you to do is just make sure you you go deep in the Word of God this summer. it would be great. We're going to be reading through the Gospels, so I invite you to do that with us. But mainly just want you guys to take seriously the call to know the Word of God and know Scripture, not just basing it on what a preacher can tell you, but reading the words of Jesus yourself. It'll light a fire in your spirit, and you'll want to know this man, Jesus, as you read through the Gospels. So, I highly encourage you to join us. And then, lastly, um, intro to Antioch, which we do this only a couple um, months out of the, uh, or a couple Sundays out of the year. If you're brand new to Antioch and want to just find out more about our history, our vision and values, our doctrine, uh, then right after the service today, upstairs in that little room, just kind of go right out there through the kids area. There's some stairs. Uh, We are going to provide some lunch for you. And it'll be about an hour, hour and a half, and we'll kind of talk through things, let so you ask some questions to kind of get acquainted with us a little bit more. All right? That sound good? Okay, you guys ready for the message? All right, give it up for Jeremy BR. Take it away, bro.
1: Thanks. Good morning, guys. Happy Sunday. I know some of us are in Mexico right now, some of us are in Kansas City right now, so thank you guys for being here, especially those who were in Kansas City yesterday. Seriously, great effort being back for church. I love it. I uh, am named Jeremy Wayne BR, okay, and I'm the associate pastor here, director of finance. I'm excited to speak to y'all this morning because today is actually a special Sunday for me. If you didn't know... I'm coming up on a vocational transition this summer. I'm actually stepping off staff of the church and into entrepreneurship full-time. And to be clear, my heart is still 100% all in for the church. I'm still here. I'll still probably preach every now and then. If Mitchell asks me ever again, I'll still be involved in the community in different ways. So nothing's changing there, but the reason this is a special Sunday for me is because this is my last sermon to preach while being on staff. Okay, Okay, so this summer marks three years since my family moved here to start the church, help be a part of this, and it marks seven years of me working directly under and reporting weekly to Mitchell. Seven years with the same boss reporting every week. How many of y'all have done that? Have any of y'all reported the same person for seven years? Let's go, Sam. Okay, we got, y'all, this is unique. You get to see, do you love that person with your whole heart and soul? I mean, it's it's a long long time to report to the same person. And so with that, I just wanted to take a minute this morning to actually honor Mitchell. Before I do that, I just want to be clear, because I'm going to honor him, I'm going to encourage him for multiple minutes. Okay, I I just want to prepare you for that. And I also want to clarify that our church is not about Mitchell. Okay, it's about Jesus and his purposes. That's why we're here. We don't revolve around Mitchell. I didn't even tell Mitchell that I was going to encourage him because he probably would have told me not to. Because he would much rather you give as much of your attention as possible to God and not be distracted by him. He desperately wants you to know that God is the only one worthy of your praise. That's why I didn't ask him for permission Because I do want to honor him this morning. Okay, he's not perfect, but I just want you all to hear me testify through this encouragement. Why am I doing this publicly? It's so that you can hear from someone who's walked very closely with him, maybe closer than anyone other than his family. There's a couple other people that would be in that mix for sure. But I've had a good view of Mitchell, and I want you to hear me testify that the man that God has asked to lead and shepherd our flock is worthy of being trusted. So that being said, Mitchell... Thank you for inviting me to work under you. Thank you for trusting me to make disciples, to train people, to equip people and to preach, to execute on important tasks, to steward the finances of our church, to give honest feedback about big decisions and more. Thank you for putting your own reputation and ministry on the line in order to take a risk on me. Thank you for inviting me to move to Arkansas with your family. If I could go back, Knowing what I know now about how hard it is to plant a church while also starting a family, and how terribly difficult 2020 and 2021 would be on a global scale, I would say yes to your invitation again in a heartbeat. My family and I are so much better off because of this experience, and God has done amazing things. Thank you for always being patient with me, never expecting me to be better or more talented than I am, but actually taking responsibility and being willing to do the hard work of investing in me to bring out my best. Your feedback, your encouragement, your challenges, and your protection have been so profoundly impactful for my life. Thank you for always, always, always taking the high road, never blaming me, even for my own clear failures, but instead, humbling yourself, forgiving me, wiping the slate clean, repenting, addressing the elephant in the room, and so genuinely and consistently praying for me. Thank you that I'm not the unique exception to any of these things, but that you don't actually show me favoritism. You're the same you in every relationship and setting that you engage in, and you're committed to demonstrating the character of God. Thank you for being a real-deal follower of Jesus. Thank you that a couple months after getting saved as a high school student, you broke free from your addiction to pornography and masturbation, and have never once chosen it again since. Thank you for every time you've told a stranger about Jesus, even when they didn't show interest. Thank you for every time you fasted, even when you broke the fast early. Thank you for every prayer meeting you led as a college student, regardless of how few people would show up. Thank you, Beth, for showing up sometimes. (laughs) Thank you that you are not in ministry for you, but that you are simply willing to respond to God's call. Thank you for leaving the college ministry in Texas that you led and had grown 10 times over to move to a place that you had never been to, didn't know anyone. Thank you for your example of marriage and fatherhood. Thank you that when I betrayed you by intentionally hiding my sin from you as a college student and ultimately had to surrender my role in ministry leadership as a result, that instead of holding it against me, you opened your house to me every week at 6 a.m. to do anything in your power to help me heal and overcome. Thank you that you also had me over in the evening for premarital counseling, that you married Megan and I a few months later, and that uh, actually you vouched for me behind my back and got me an amazing job at a local business in town with Tucker. I didn't end up taking it, but it was the best job offer I had, that's for sure. Thank you that when all anyone wanted to talk about in the summer of 2020 was the latest heated topic of government or culture, that you stood firmly and compassionately upon truth. Thank thank you that you desperately and truly just want to see a great revival that sweeps across our region and the world, no matter what party is in office. Thank you that in October of 2020, when someone you loved and trusted and sacrificed a lot for suddenly began accusing you and spreading lies about you and even trying to remove you, all the while refusing to speak to you, that rather than reacting as I would have, you asked God to search you, to rebuke any wickedness in you. You repented many times. You forgave many times. You prayed for their blessing time and time again. You bought gifts for them. You pursued reconciliation with great effort. And thank you that not one derogatory word or action or curse ever came from your mouth, not even behind closed doors, not even before the Lord, even though you were experiencing severe pain, and our community was threatened. (laughs) Thank you that your allegiance is to Jesus and his every word and that you follow him for his glory and not for yours. I'm the luckiest guy in the world to have worked for you for these past seven years and I'm so thankful for as long as I live that God entrusted me under your spiritual authority and covering for the most formative years of my life. Thank you. Some of you think I'm overdoing it right now. I get it. No hard feelings, but I'm just going to say, unless you have worked directly for Mitchell and reported him every week for seven years, you have no clue how much more worthy of honor he is than even this. I am underselling this man to you guys, okay? It's truly a gift that we get to be led by him, and as he and his family go into a six-week break, I encourage you guys to just thank God for him. You don't even have to like him. You don't have to agree with everything he does, but I encourage you to thank God for him, because he has sacrificed a lot. Actually, let's do that real quick. Mitchell and Beth, can you all stand up? I don't know if you're planning on doing this for yourself next week, because I think next week is his last sermon before his break, and so I just want to take a moment to just pray over you guys, and just, just pray a prayer of thankfulness for the sacrifices that they've made, and just pray a blessing over their six-week break, that you just get everything that God has for you, and hear clearly about what our next step is as a community. So as many as y'all want to, feel free to stand up. We can gather around and put a hand on their shoulders. And let's just pray for 30 seconds, and I'll close this out. Ready? Let's pray. I thank you, God, for Mitchell and Beth, and, and God, we just acknowledge that they have sacrificed more than we know, and God, I thank you that they didn't ask for this, that they would have told me not to do this probably. God, thank you for their humility and that they serve you, they glorify you, they worship you. And so, God, we just honor them. We just want to support them. We just want to be encouraging to them. We want to serve under you and, and your church, and God, thank you for their leadership over this church. God, would you bless them in their break? Would you refresh them? Would you encourage them? Would you speak things that excite their hearts and give them vision for what's ahead? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Y'all can make your way to a seat. Thanks for going on that detour with me. This is your first time. I promise we don't do that every week. We're going to get into the Word of God this morning. If y'all want, you can turn to 1 Peter and 2 Peter. It's towards the very back of your Bible. Uh, That's where we're going to be this morning. How many of you have been here for at least one sermon within this series, Living for Eternity? Awesome, awesome. How many of you guys have ever in your life read the book of First Peter? Okay, awesome, awesome. So, high level of familiarity. Good stuff, right? Jesus is coming back. We can have hope because of his resurrection. We can live our lives in light of eternity, not just what we can see and touch on earth our words have power we've been given gifts from god no difficult circumstance or hardship can overcome us or stop us from pursuing jesus these are some encouraging truths and there's just one problem that i've noticed over these past couple weeks and as i've been reading first peter myself it's one little issue and that's actually doing what first peter says Seriously, I, I got a couple highlights for us. I don't know if y'all really process these. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9, it says, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Like, is that all you got, Peter? The devil, a supernaturally powerful being with legions of demons at his disposal, the father of lies, prince of deception, he's roaring around, like a lion who just so happens to be the king of the jungle and he's hungry and he's looking to devour me and all you got is resist him. Like, can y'all imagine that quote, like in a war movie, you know, some like wise sage counseling the commander of the army before something happens like, hey, their army is 20 times bigger than yours. They've never lost a battle. They're really strong, they got weapons you've never seen before that are so destructive, and they are straight, they are straight, savage. They will almost kill you and then start eating you before you die, just so you can be mortified as your last feeling. Resist him. And they just walk away. Like, Peter's writing the letter, okay? Like, let me just, I'm going to just let y'all see this, you know? It would be Ridiculous. That commander would be like, I think I'm, I'm actually, I, I could move, you know? I don't have to fight this battle, you know? <laughs> or how about this one? First Peter two, 1 Peter 2.1. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like, that's what I was trying to do, Peter. It's like, let's say you fail a test. You go into your professor's office hours to talk through the exam. And the professor's like... Okay, you see this next time. See, look here with me. You see these questions you got wrong? Next time, just stop answering them incorrectly and you'll get a hundred. Like, thanks for the advice, you know? Like, Peter's like, oh, you're struggling with sin? How about get rid of all your sin of every kind? I'm trying, Peter. Okay, I'm trying. Okay, what about this one? Last one. We read this last week when Mitchell preached first Peter four. Twelve and thirteen it says, "Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Guys, can you imagine if Megan came to me, my wife, and she she was really struggling, really needing counsel? She says something like, "I'm having a hard time." I'm just feeling frustrated about this. This thing happened. It really hurt. I'm overwhelmed. I'm scared. I'm about to lose it. I don't know what to do. And I respond with, hey, what did you expect life to be like? It's hard, okay? Get over it. (laughs) Like, would you guys be encouraged by my husbandry? Like, no way. I don't even want to know how that would go either with Megan. But Peter right here is essentially saying, oh, you're suffering immensely? You're scared? Afraid for your life? guys, don't be surprised. Here's a better idea. Rejoice. What a great joy. Thank you, Jesus. I get to know you better. Like, I would respond that way if I could, Peter. This is hard. I told you I'm having a hard time, okay? First Peter is not just filled with difficult instructions. There's actually a specific theme that we see in it as well, and it's this theme of obedience versus disobedience have a slide highlighting some of these scriptures. 1 Peter 1, 14 says, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. Eight verses later, Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth. The next chapter says, Now to you who believe this stone is precious. Talking about Jesus. But to those who do not believe, they stumble because they disobey. 1 Peter 4.1 says, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. And in verse 17, For it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. You guys see how obedience in these verses, it's associated with being in the family of God. It's being the people of God. It's being the children of God. It's even crucial to our being purified by God. Simultaneously, disobedience, it's not talked about like every man's struggle. It's not talked about like, oh, all, all of us as believers who are disobedient but we're trying to obey. In these verses, disobedience, it's in reference to unbelievers, ungodly, sinners. And this isn't just Peter, by the way. Okay, Peter's kind of aggressive, in the garden, when someone came to betray Jesus, he just, he just cut his ear off with a sword. Literally, he's like, nope, we're going, I'm going down with this thing. And Jesus is like, Peter, stop. Okay, but John, the nice one, the one who Jesus loved by his self-description, the one who leaned against his chest at the Passover meal, the one who Jesus on the cross gave his mother, Mary, to John, said, John, take care of my mom. John says it like this. He says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Thank you, Lord. But it keeps going. It says, We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Y'all, repeat this after me. (laughs) This is intense. Well, this was just the facial expression. I want you to repeat. Now, if we just read a chapter of 1 Peter each week, and any given week, you know, we come in here, we mix it up with a couple funny stories, we make you laugh, we end with worship. You know, every week, you could leave Sunday feeling like, ah, wow, so good, such a good Sunday, got filled up today, love my church, such a good word this morning, and those are all good things to feel, don't get me wrong, but if you are processing the gravity of what Peter has shared throughout his first letter, and you actually try to apply it, you might also sometimes feel something else. Maybe a weight on your chest, maybe a sinking stomach, a gulp in your throat, a hopelessness even, to actually achieve what's just been asked of you, and a fear of what will happen if you don't. 1 Peter is a hard book, so hard that it might even feel impossible. And, I think Peter knew this, or at least he became aware of it, because he wrote a second letter, a follow-up to the first, and this is how he starts. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Wow. Can you feel the comfort and the reassurance In Peter's words, let me just summarize what we just read there after experiencing this, like, wait, if I obey, then that's how I know I'm a believer, and if I'm disobeying, the truth isn't in me? Like, what? This is heavy. This, like, I tried to obey. Like, I want to be a believer. Like, am I out, you know? And what does he say? He says, through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. You can put up that bullet point slide says through his righteousness we have received a faith and it is precious grace and peace be yours in abundance his divine power has given us not we earn not we figure out his divine power has given us what everything we need for life and everything we need for godliness he's given us great precious promises and through them, we can participate in the divine nature. And we can escape corruption caused by evil desires. What does this mean? It means all those things we read in First Peter, you can do it. You can actually do it. Right now, today, you can live how God has called you to live. You can be who he's called you to be. You can follow in Jesus' footsteps. You can demonstrate Jesus' character. You can step out in faith. You can obey what he's asked you to do. You can resist the devil and his temptations. You can respond to Jesus with trust and courage. You can thrive in your Christian walk. You can do it. And you can do it not because you can inherently do it. You can do it because he has done these things, because of who he is, his power, his promises, his righteousness, he has given you all that you need. Because of what he's given, you can do it. You can cut this slide, Sarah, if you want. Not only can you do it, but I would say it is, it's probable that you will. And how do I know? Because this isn't just this four-verse chunk in First Peter, but you see throughout Scripture This validation that, hey, you do not have to be mastered by sin. You don't have to disobey egregiously every day, randomly. You're not a victim to the devil, but actually, no, you can can do this. The things you see in the Bible, you can live them out. There's a few verses that you can take a picture of this next slide if you want to, because we're not going to have time to dive into all of them, but I know biblically that we're never tempted beyond what we can bear. But anytime we're tempted, God gives us a way out. So we're never tempted beyond what we can resist. The Holy Spirit inside of us is greater, more powerful, more authoritative than any other power ever. So nothing can overcome us because the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. We are dead to sin and have been freed from the sinful nature once and for all. If you grew up in churches that are like most churches in America... You grew up being taught the exact opposite of that, and so you might be mad at me that I just read that sentence. I'm not trying to start a fight with anyone. I was mad when I first read that sentence, and I stayed mad for a few years, and I realized that I was angrily defending my sin and why I want to keep it. And I was using my own experiences as my main evidence of why I think I am right, that I am enslaved by sin. And when I wiped the slate clean, I started reading the Bible, and read the verses that seem to say the opposite, I started trusting, what if God's right and I'm wrong? I don't have time to deep dive this specific sentence, but guys, it is so clear. Galatians 5.24 says that those who follow Jesus have crucified the sinful nature. Past tense, crucified. Romans 6 actually instructs us. It says, just as Jesus died... And then was raised to life, like in the same way. It says, actually says, just as Jesus died and was raised to life, and is dead no longer. In the same way, consider yourselves dead to sin. So that's 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 the Bible, right? That's instruction. As much as Jesus is still dead, that's how much sin still has authority over your life. How dead is Jesus? He's not dead. He's not dead, and the whole world is going to find out pretty soon. I don't know how soon, but he's coming back. It doesn't just it one time. It it keeps going. He's like, look, you used to be a slave to the sinful nature, and you're not anymore. Now you're a slave to Christ. You're a slave to righteousness. And then he goes on this whole—we're not even going into Romans 7 and 8, but he's just like, look, I get it when you know the rules— and you try to do them, you feel like a sinner because you don't have what it takes to actually obey them, but that's why he's given us a divine nature. He's changing us from the inside so that we actually can live out the righteous calling of Jesus, and we're no longer slaves to sin. He says it like 14 times in there. It's crazy, and like we just read, God has given us everything we need for life and godliness, and we can participate in God's divine nature and escape corruption. I didn't go even go into 1 John 1 or Hebrews 4, or 2 Corinthians 3. Guys, this is a bitter pill for our excuses. It's a harsh reckoning for our pet sin called sinny. But it is the hope of glory and goodness in our souls. This is the truth that we are so desperately in need of for our redemption, for the fruit of the spirit to manifest in our lives for our knowledge of God to increase, for the instructions of the Bible to actually matter and make a difference in us and through us, the truth that we can actually do what it says. We can do it. That's good news, guys. No matter where we come from, no matter our culture, personality, no matter our circumstances, we have everything we need for godliness. We have everything we need for life. We can do it. So what is it? What is the divine nature? It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, not just being a moment, not just being something we hope for, but something that actually governs us, something that actually is our natural, real response. It's the you inside of you that actually wants to obey God taking authority of your will. It's the you that actually wants to resist the devil and knows that you will, no matter the cost. The you that actually does rejoice in response to trials and tribulation. It's the you that is compelled to get rid of every form of evil in your life. It's the you that when you hear the commands of God, you don't feel shame, but you actually feel hope and inspiration encourage. The divine nature is not the you that you used to know. It's a new you. You're a new creation. You've been given a new heart, a new mind, and the new has power to transform the old. One example from my life is I used to be really greedy. For example, as a, as a kid, one time I just stole five dollars right from the offering plate in the middle of church, just passing it along the roads, just. Boom, take that. There you go. Boom, profit. Literally, don't worry, I've given it back, okay? Paid it four times over like Zacchaeus. I one time deposited fake currency at a bank in a coin roll successfully. Boom, cash it in. Had some metal, silver pieces that were probably like washers or hardware. And I just mix it in, a quarter roll, put a couple quarters on top and bottom. That's $10 for $1. Okay, I just 10x'd. All right, this is literally elementary school. I actually also, in fourth grade, I started a little business during recess built on lying and stealing. Okay, I, I contracted out all the artistic, creative people in my grade. I said, look, you draw the art, I'll sell it for you. Whenever it sells, I'll give you a commission based on whatever it sells for. I would sit on the picnic table, got my padfolio, full of art, some teachers who are looking to support, you know, their bright, upcoming leaders in the school. They say, hey, I'll pay you $2 for that. I say, great. Every now and then, some of the artists would say, hey, did my thing ever sell? Nope. Hadn't sold. I'll pay you when it sells. Guys, that was me, okay? And who am I now? When I take these spiritual gift tests, like we we, uh, showed one two weeks ago, my top spiritual gift, according to these tests, is generosity. Not to mention, my job has been to steward the finances of this church, okay? Y'all should be horrified right now. (laughs) And the business I'm starting is like a kingdom-minded financial firm, helping people do finance the way God's called them to. Do y'all see the contrast, okay? There is new that has authority over the old. The point is, even your greatest weaknesses, your greatest vulnerabilities, your greatest moments of shame, they are not your defining moments. They are not, like, they don't have authority to tell you who you are. But they may just be the very areas that God wants to redeem in you through his power and his grace and show you his divine nature. All of us in this room, because of Jesus, are participants in the divine nature. All of us in this room have everything we need for life and godliness. But each of us are at our own place in the journey of learning how to walk with God. And last night, as I was brushing Beckham's teeth, it was a perfect illustration as I wrap up this message to highlight a few of the points of this journey, of how do I walk this out? What does it look like to grow in the divine nature. See, brushing his teeth is something that Beckham has had a hard time with. He will often refuse to open his mouth to let me brush his teeth. And he's not being silly. It's, he's like mad. It's, it's, sometimes he's resisted, even to the point of receiving discipline multiple times before finally letting me brush his teeth. I don't know why, But at this point, most days are pretty smooth. You know, we just coach them up beforehand, like, hey, we're about to brush your teeth. You know what it's a great time to do? Obey. All right, how are we going to obey? Open your mouth. Okay, awesome. (laughs) Most days are smooth. Yesterday was a little more difficult. We get to the sink, and Beckham is refusing to open his mouth. He's not saying anything. He's not responding to me. He's just rebelling. And you could feel tension start to grow a little bit, I'm getting a little more stern. It's not so funny anymore. Beckham, Beckham, open your mouth. I'm telling him, hey, I don't want to flick your finger. That's how I give him discipline currently. I've got a really hard flick, and on the fingernail, I'll do it to you too. You won't like it. (laughs) I don't want to flick your finger, buddy. I want you to obey. But he is not budging. Finally, though, he responds to my prompting. Okay, I'm talking to him. Hey, talk to me. He responds by grabbing both of my cheeks with his hand. He puts his face right here and locks into my eyes. He says, I don't want to obey. 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 (laughs) I let him finish. He probably said it a couple more times than that, actually. I pause, and then I say with a gentle smile, yes, you do. In a moment of heart change, he smiles back and opens his mouth and lets me brush his teeth. Salvation, guys. It was awesome. A true breakthrough. Okay, but it didn't stop there. I replied, thank you, Beckham. That was a really good choice. And as I'm brushing his teeth, he says, don't eat toothpaste. Which is interesting, because after choosing to obey by opening his mouth, surrendering the the area of tension, the thing he didn't want to let go of, after he submits to my will, he, he gives a, a step of obedience. He begins, out of his own desire, calling to mind other things that he's called to obey. And he's doing it with joy. And after he says, don't eat toothpaste, he looks at me and says, what else don't we eat? And I'm like, man, you are maturing as a believer quick, Beckham. <laughs> now he's not just doing what he knows the rules are. He's not just... Responding to me, telling me the boundaries that he already knows, he's saying, Search me and know me. What else? Tell me your boundary lines. And not only that, the topic of obedience has shifted. It's not something he's being confronted with and feeling ashamed of his disobedience. Now it's something that we are pursuing together. It went from, I don't want to, I don't want to, to, what else don't we eat? And so I'm, I'm thinking, like, what is he talking about? So I'm like, well, we don't eat boogies. And he chimes in. He starts mentioning a couple of things we've talked about before. He says, don't eat boogies. He says, and we don't eat Play-Doh. And he starts adding to the list. And as the list grows, out of nowhere, he begins erupting with laughter, listing off all the things that we don't eat, like, we don't eat dirt, <laughs> and he like, just, I wish I could do it, but so cute, biggest smile, just busting out, we don't eat rocks, <laughs> and he's laughing, we don't eat grass, we don't eat trees, we don't eat pillows, we don't eat couches, we don't eat green couches, I'm like, yeah, definitely don't eat green couches, okay, we don't eat wagons, don't eat Dada's car, don't eat Dada. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, please don't eat me, Beckham. (laughs) And we are literally crying, laughing. This is the hardest laugh we've had in a long time. Megan was there too. And it was an amazing moment. It was a sweet moment. But do you see what just happened? Beckham went from utterly resisting obedience to literally laughing at the thought of disobedience, exposing it for the ridiculousness that it is. And it was a rich, bonding moment. Literally, as I was putting him to bed a couple minutes later, he, he's standing up in his crib. I'm on the other side of the crib. We give each other hugs and fist bumps and cheers and high five and a dean. You don't know what a dean is, but you just basically, it's a noggin dude from Nemo. And then he looks at me and goes, did mama laugh when I said, don't eat trees? Uh, and he's already remembering how sweet this moment was. I would suggest that one of the reasons why Beckham thought it was so funny was not just because he was being silly, but it's because he knows he has the ability to obey. We can laugh together at the thought of eating dirt because sometimes he actually does want to eat dirt, but he knows that the next time he has dirt on his fingers and he starts bringing his fingers to his mouth and we look at each other and I shake my head, He knows that he has what it takes to lower his hand and shake the dirt off his fingers. He knows that he can do it. It wouldn't be funny if he couldn't. And that's what it looks like to live in the righteousness of God. As we delight in him, we become almost unconcerned with sin. Almost unimpressed with the kingdom of darkness. To the point where you can genuinely laugh in the face of temptation. I believe this kind of life is available for all of us. Again, no matter where you come from, no matter what you've done, I believe you can live a godly life. And I believe that you can live a godly life not just because I believe in you, really, but because I believe in God, and He lives in you. It's by God who He is, what He's done, what He's still doing, that what I'm telling you this morning is true. So as we respond, I just want us to invite Him. To transform us, to make us new creations, to give us a new heart, to teach us what his divine nature is like and to help us obey him. Wherever you are in this journey of godliness, let's invite him into that space. Maybe you're like the initial Beckham, and this morning you just need to be honest with God and look at him and say, I don't want to obey. Tell him the thing that you've been resisting and just admit, God, this is hard. God, I don't know if I even want to do this. That's a moment of trust instead of just being silent and avoiding the conversation. Maybe you've obeyed in some ways, and this morning, it's time for you to begin seeing the full picture, embracing all that God has commanded you to do, not just some things that he's commanded you to do. Or maybe you're good at obeying all the rules, and now it's, what else do you want me to obey, dada? What else, God? What else, Father in heaven? Search me, know me. Maybe you're not disobeying, but maybe you have a lot of gray areas. Maybe you have some things where you're walking the line in your motives in your heart. Invite God into those places. Not just what's sin and what's okay, but God, what are you asking me to do? For some of us, this morning is just a moment of celebration, of realizing how far you've come from where you used to be, of looking at yourself as the elementary schooler who stole five dollars from the offering and saying, God, thank you, I would absolutely never do that anymore. Lord, you really have changed me. You really have redeemed me. You're making me new. And my invitation is to keep going. Be in awe of God's goodness and how, and just laugh at how powerless and undesirable the kingdom of darkness really is. So let's stand to our feet. We're going to go into a time of worship. And wherever you're at in your journey, you can do it. Godliness is not just something we should be, but it is something we can be. Godliness is not just something we do, it is something we become. And it's through him, not through us, so we're going to seek him together and ask him to transform us. So God, thank you for making us new creations. And God, I, I just pray that you would show us what it means that we have everything we need for life and godliness. Would you show us what it means that we can participate in the divine nature? Would you make us new this morning? In Jesus' name.